Mason. Yeah, what's up? You want to hear a story? Yeah, go for it. So, it's a little short story today, nothing too crazy. But um, this is back when I was at the Window and Door Company. Uh, we were hand- The Window and Door Company handles everything from the initial drawings for these houses all the way uh, to delivery and service. So, with my job in the service department, we had a lot of crossover with delivery. Mm-hmm. So, we're in charge of basically receiving all the inventory and then getting it out to the specific jobs. Um, and since we had to do, the company was doing everything up front, it's because there's stuff that you could get down to like less than an inch worth of specificity on how custom all these things are. Yeah. But also with it being custom, a lot of these customers are ordering ridiculously large units like we've been talking about. So uh, some of those are pivot doors. So have you ever seen some of those huge pivot doors that have like two points that open up? They're not on a hinge. No. Okay, so imagine you've got a huge door and about a, let's say it's a four foot, well, we'll talk, the one we're talking about today is like a five foot by 12 foot door, okay? A foot in on one side. Oh, yeah, I remember these. There's a point that sits under the bottom and there's a point that sits on the top and it swings on that point. So Is that a, like just a cool factor that people are into? Yeah. it's It looks badass. It's a super cool function. Um So, but a lot of times you're going to have a humongous piece of glass in there that's going to be like quarter of an inch. You've got your spacer bar, then quarter of an inch. So, um, when there's a lot of glass, the door gets really heavy. So, with the amount of inventory that we were bringing in, and depending on kind of the staffing levels, since the company was growing so much, uh, temp workers would get brought in a lot of times to help us load and, uh, deliver a lot of these units because a lot of the times it's like hey it's not that complicated we just need someone to help us pick these things up put it on a trailer we're going to drive to a job site we're going to unload it uh, in a safe area so that the installers can come grab all their material and go throughout the house and install all of it pretty straightforward yeah but the problem is with some of these temp workers um there there is a smarts that comes to lifting things and some of these temp workers didn't have it or they didn't have the drive to be picking up a stupid heavy object and just do ignorant work so there's one day where my friend Forrest and I were loading up this trailer we have this five foot by 12 foot door so it's almost as tall as I am it's uh or the width is almost as tall as I am because we're laying it down to be able to move it and forces on the other side of it. So we have glass cups, which are those huge suction cups that attach to the glass. Mm -hmm. And we do what we call a funeral carry. So you've got one cup, basically uh, two guys are standing side by side on opposite sides of the door Mm -hmm. at each end. So it's like you're picking up a casket, essentially. Um, But uh, so we pick this door up, heavy as sin, trying to get it on this trailer. We're starting to move it and... Um, there are things just going wrong. Forrest and I get pissed off because we realize it's like, it just seems heavier than usual. And at first we're like, what is happening? And then we realize it's the temps. So literally we tell them to not do anything and just stand in the bay of the garage while me and him grab both cups on either side. One person's going backwards, one's going forwards. 
pick it up, like I said, heavy as shit. And having to just try and drag this thing up there without dragging it on the ground, but get it on there. And so now... Because once you pick it up, you can't put it down anywhere. You can. Usually there's little foam uh, for the manufacturer oh, okay. we're using. They've got like some foam pads. So like they weren't just giving us a raw aluminum to scrape up and just be like, we need a new one. But um, like to me, it was the stupid thing. Throughout the rest of that day, it was literally like we had these two temps that had been sent out from the service to help us. But for some of these large units, it was literally just like, stand there and get the fuck out of my way because you guys are making this harder. Uh with four people rather than two people just grunting their way through this well, thing. That's how I feel when I move stuff sometimes. It's just get out of my way. Let me just get it. Whenever like you move and uh, you're helping someone move is when you really start to feel that, right? Mm -hmm. When it's like there's always the person who's trying to overthink things where it's like, well, if we try and do this or this or whatever, it's like, no, no, no. No, there, there's a very simple process for moving, like for someone's house. Like, don't fuck this up. Let's keep this really straightforward. Yeah, but when I help people, because I hate when somebody's trying to help me and they, they're telling me what to do and how to do it. It's like, look, I asked you here to help. Now just do whatever the fuck I say. So when I help somebody, whether I have an opinion or not, I just withhold it unless they ask and just be a grunt worker. Yeah, but, I don't know, I start to get pissed off in certain situations when I'm like, we're literally doing this the oh, dumbest well, when they're, possible. Oh, yeah, well, when they're useless, yeah. Yeah, because for me, it's like moving. Uh, the church I went to growing up, like, everyone was a really tight-knit community, so if someone was moving, being one of the elders' kids, like, nine times out of ten, you're showing up because we're helping these people move. You have to. Yeah. Um, so you start to figure out like how you're supposed to move and there's a way to do this and the efficiencies and stuff like that. And you realize that when people are like, I've got a couple of pet peeves with it. The first one is when you show up at 7 a.m. They're like, all right, guys, let's grab some donuts or breakfast real quick. It's like, no, 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 no. I showed up to help you move. I understand you're trying to be nice. You do that after we, after we're done. Because I want to get this done as quickly as possible and go home. Get the fuck out. I do not want to be dealing with you. Like, you're a nice person, but I do not. I, I don't want to be dealing with your house. And then the second thing is, um, in as much as that person wants to help, they should not. If everything's boxed up, you need to be standing in the doorway. This goes to this room. This goes to this room. You've just got a daisy train of people instead of everyone going, standing there, where does this go? And then someone having to run around eventually and be like, oh, I think that goes in this room. Just put it in the garage. Let the other people figure out where it goes. Yeah, I don't know. Fuck those people. Yeah. But isn't it funny how it seems that sometimes, like, I don't know, we've talked about this before, but um, and I saw something about it on Instagram where it's like 10% of the people end up doing like 50% of the work. Oh, yeah, always. Yeah. And it's just interesting when you see it where it's like you start throwing bodies at it. And yet things do pick up. But at the same time, it's like if you have the right bodies, you can just destroy. Get it done quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we haven't seen each other for a couple of weeks because I was sick last week. So. Did you have COVID? No, I actually tested for COVID. Oh, you did? I had a fever for like five days. 
Oh, dude, that's the freaking flu thing that's going around. Yeah. Although one of the guys on the team, he's had a fever for like he can't shake a one hundred one, one hundred two fever. That's literally yeah. For like four or five days, but he tested positive for coronavirus for the vid. Yeah. But yeah, I do not wish that upon myself and the family. It sounds awful. The nice part was it was like no congestion. It was just like fever, and I would get tired. So that's why I thought it was COVID because that's very similar to the first time I got COVID. Yeah. So, but I don't know. No one else in my family got sick. Fiance didn't get sick. So I don't. That's I don't nice. Yeah, a friend of mine. He got he got the same exact thing. Was out was decommissioned for two or three days. But like his whole family never got it. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. Don't pass it on to us. <laughs> what have you guys been up to? Uh, still slowly moving into the house, meeting some of the neighbors, cool neighbors. Um, although they did recommend to uh, join the uh, community Facebook page. Yep. Because it's fucking hilarious on how much how many Karens are on there, complaining <laughs> about everything. <laughs> it's a uh, it's borderline annoying. It's well, it's for sure annoying, but it's also comical about some of the stuff that they complained about. Like what? Can we pull it up? I haven't yet been on it. We were uh, just talking about it. Yeah, but like they're wanting to, they plastered these ugly ass signs. We have like a big old park area mm-hmm. and they're still building the uh, like pool house and the pool's going to be over there. Yeah. But they plastered these signs and bitching on the, the website about if you don't live in this community, you're not allowed to play at this park. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like just little shit like that. Like who cares? Yeah. But. So that's cool, getting to know some of the neighbors. Um, but nothing special this week or last week. How long has it been since we've seen each other? A couple weeks? Yeah, I think it's been two. It's been a fucking blur. Oh, we had some family coming to town from New Mexico and Illinois. Oh, nice. So kids got to see their cousins, which was cool. Um, yeah. We had a little... Uh, golf tournament on sunday yeah how'd you do we all played terrible but i pl- <laughs> i got third place but i didn't win a trophy yeah. Sucks. <laughs> where'd you play cold water where's that cold at? creek cold water it's in avondale oh okay so but it was very nice nice course oh yeah i wish i was better at golf yeah it'd be more fun because it gets frustrating at times <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you would do well at golf. Not saying the not? athleticism, the frustration. I love repeatable like um, things. Oh, I fucking hate repeatable things. So, like, there's sometimes where there's a period for a while. Like, like do you enjoy like when you have to see a stack of like five hundred? Like, I don't want to say yeah, stamps to be put on. You just like, just. I can get in a zone of just mindless. Oh, like, fuck that. I hate that stuff But, so like, much. there's a period where um, I would go to the park, like, with a basketball and just work on just shooting baskets. Like, and this is within the last year. Why aren't you better at shooting then? Because this is a newer thing that I was like. I'm just like, kidding. I've I never wanna... seen you shoot a basketball before. Oh. Yeah. 
But like, I, that's why I love like going to the desert and going shooting because it's something where it's like, it's the same thing. You're trying to create the same thing over and over, repeatable, smooth, fine details like that. So yeah, I don't know if the audience caught it a couple episodes ago when I bought a new gun. I'm officially American. Yeah. We just had it laying on the table. I wonder yeah. if anybody noticed that. But yeah, uh, Put it in the comments if you did. Um, we'll send you something. Not a gun. Not not a gun. No. <laughs> but I want to I want to buy more guns. I want to become I want to be a long long range shooter. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to be able to snipe zombies. <laughs> and not have to get close to them. Yeah. When um, I started getting into guns, my brother was, had been purchasing some as well, and he started getting into like uh, ARs and AKs and some more of the like the rifle platforms. Yeah. Whereas I was more getting into more of the handguns, so it was interesting just as far as like he was into like all right, let's shoot something from farther away, and I'm more like all right, let's grab some steel, let's work on drawing and shooting and yeah. stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, no, my buddy. He bought some stock twenty two rifle, mm-hmm. but put like three grand into it. <laughs> Long dude, shoot! I don't know how far. A twenty two. Yes, but it is, uh, but like a a rifle though. Yeah. He turned it into a long range rifle that can shoot like I'm I'm making this up, but it's thousand like like thousands, but it's like thousand yards, two thousand. I don't know what the proper, but it's it's literally like two thousand would be like elite level shooting yeah, it's like a it's a gun that if you were paid to kill people mm-hmm. you would use it we went shooting though yeah it goes that far the shit that he has you can you wouldn't be able to tell it was a 22 until you opened up the chamber until you looked to see what bullets were mm-hmm. in there but this thing fires like 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 it's easier to pull the trigger and not feel anything like the Versus a Nerf gun. Yeah. You feel it way more than this thing. Yeah. It's just like, psh. And you're like, Do what? Because I think at the range we went to, it only went to, what do they go? Like 30, 50 yards? Uh, it depends on the range. Like, did you go to Shooter's World? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Because I, I, was, I was shooting it. I was like, the first time I shot, I was like, did, like, did I shoot it? You're like, yeah, dude. I think you hit it. And then I had to like, use the scope and look and I fucking, not dead center, but I hit it like. Yeah. Respectively, yeah. I, was like, I didn't even. I thought I didn't shoot the gun properly. He's like, "This is why this is badass." Yeah, I said the same thing. A twenty-two. I was like, "What?" A little baby bullet. I'm new to the gun, so I'm like, "Oh, these are little baby bullets." Yeah. Uh, do you know what a carbine is? No. So um, it's basically a rifle platform that shoots uh, like handgun ammo. So I've got like so your normal AR-15. Uh, it shoots a 2.23 or 5.56. That's the common bullet. So it's larger. Um, it's a larger cartridge. So you've got all the gunpowder, the yeah. primer, all that in there. And then it does have a little bit of a larger uh, bullet that it shoots, obviously. But you can get some of the same thing where it's basically like an AR-15 platform, but it shoots a nine millimeter. And since the recoil is so much different, it's the same thing. Where like. Uh, if you get a cheap AR, it'll punch you in the shoulder. Yeah. With the nine millimeter, you're just boof, boof, boof. And that one's a lot of fun, especially like if you're teaching someone new to shoot, because sometimes they're intimidated by something having a good amount of recoil in their hands. But you can give them uh, that kind of a gun, 
and with the very limited recoil, they start to get really interested in it. As well as you're, a, you can be a lot more accurate quickly. Be, oh yeah. Be, if you throw a red dot on there or something like that, so especially you throw some steel out there, you've got a newer person shooting, teach them like, hey, here's the rules of the guns for safety, make sure everything's good. But then like once they start, it's usually once they start plinking, you just see it. Like they want to start like, yeah. okay. My buddy had it. an old school, I don't know what they're called, the like 45, mm-hmm. Colt 45, like yeah. the old school one. The revolvers. Yeah, exactly. And the recoil thing was no joke. It was like snapped it back like yeah. crazy. Yeah, because... And I was a dumbass the first time I shot it. I tried to do it one-handed. <laughs> one of my... Uh, it's not as impressive anymore now to because I've done it with almost everyone I've gone shooting with, but I'll take a 12-gauge shotgun, and I'll shoot it one-handed. I've never shot a shotgun. Really? Yeah. Dude, it's a good time. Uh, like going and shooting clay pigeons. That's a lot of fun. I love shooting handguns and clay pigeons with a shotgun. Gone to the desert, shot a couple of times, went to the range once, which is when I bought the new gun. But since I bought a gun, I want to kill something. Not like a person. Bird shot. What is it? Uh, how do you, quail hunting with yeah, the shotguns yeah. and yep. you just go blow them up? Yep. <laughs> I would like to try that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My brother's gone and hunted Havelina. I've never gone hunting. I love just, that's why I like. Me neither. I was supposed guns. to go with a buddy. But they do, him and his dad do bow hunting. And they gave me their oh, old, really? they gave me one of their older uh, bows. Mm-hmm. Those things are hard. <laughs> you talk about like, you know, t- 20 yards. Like, you know, oh yeah, shoot from 20 yards. I'm like, that's nothing. You know, thinking about a football field. Mm-hmm. You go out there, have that little target. You're like, fuck, that's far away. <laughs> <laughs> and some of these guys, and his dad was, you know. Knocking down sixty-yard bullseyes and shit. I'm like, dude. Yeah, my sister. Because for... you got to get closer for bows. Yeah. Than fucking oh, guns. Oh yeah. Because yeah. you hear some people, where it's like they take them down at three to four hundred yards, and then for bow hunting, it's like, no, like less than a hundred. I want to snipe something from far away. <laughs> An animal. <laughs> I might be able to put you in contact with someone. There's legally. Yeah. Okay. There's, you said that a little sketchy. No, no, there's a friend. Um, my brother knows a guy who's pretty proficient on uh, in long-range shooting, apparently. As the story goes, he had a lot of uh, military friends kills. who were... No. He's got kills on his belt? No, he had a lot of military friends who taught him, basically, here's how to snipe. Really? So they taught him, like, all the mechanics of... Like, here's how to yeah, my take buddy into was account in the, windage and stuff like that. Yeah, my buddy was in the military. He's the one that I went with to get a gun. And he has his, like, long-range uh, fucking cert and stuff like that. Oh, really? Won competitions and shit. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's kind of how my last couple of weeks went. Nothing special. Yeah. At all. Although, on Friday... I get to go to, oh, yeah, he, he doesn't listen to this, uh, Pop Stroke. His uh, wife said, you ever heard of the, I think it's called Pop Stroke. It's uh, like an adult putt-putt that Tiger Woods helped. Oh, is that out in uh, Westgate? Yeah, over in Glendale. Yeah. And so uh, we're going to go to it on Friday. He doesn't know about it. He knows we're going somewhere, just not there. He's a big golfer. He's like, uh, okay. be honest with you, he could probably like take a stab at the tour if he actually tried. Like, that's how good he is at golf. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, 
But uh, I'm excited for that. Yeah, I I just saw a clip on Instagram. They were advertising for it, and I was like, that looks pretty badass. Yeah, I think it's only like twenty bucks, and as serious? much as you want. I think they make their money off of like the food, the, the drinks. drinks. Yeah, they even have like a bar in the middle of it, plus bars to go to. They've got yeah. cornhole, ping pong to play. Like uh, um, Steve on the team, he went there for the Super Bowl. Really? It was like a grand opening kind of thing, and they they, yeah. they had a big old screen. They watched the Super Bowl, got drinks, ate food. And Dang. It's suppo- yeah, it's supposed to be the it's supposed to be like you know a little more difficult, but more natural. Yeah. You know where you not, not like not going through the week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's more like uh, undulate. As I say, undulations. Sure, ups and downs. Yeah, we'll call it that. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. That should be fun. That'll be cool. Yeah, let me know how that goes because it looks like a badass spot. Yeah, I will. Have they opened? Like, are they opening more of those throughout the country? Are we number? Are we the first one? Are we not the first one? No, I think they have a couple out, but like, okay. it's not like they have one in every state, kind of yeah. deal. Yeah. So we're special. Well, I mean, Arizona. Well, Arizona's the spot, dude. Yeah. You can build anything out here. We have the fucking land. We've got the people too. And the people. Yeah. And the weather. I hiked uh, Camelback with the fiance yesterday, and oh, I used to do that all the time when I lived in Tempe. Yeah, not all the time, but like once or twice a month. It is my first time ever doing it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Are you a big hiker? Um, I was hiking more last year. I, me and a buddy, we ended up like buying twenty pound weight vests and started just hiking with weight vests all the time. You didn't do that on Camelback, did you? It's a little tougher mountain. Not yesterday, no. Yeah. A yeah. lot more steep in areas. Yeah. I think I could do it, though. It's a short hike. Oh, no, yeah. I'm not saying you couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, it's not that short. I mean, it's longer than fucking Thunderbird Mountain. <laughs> uh, well, aren't there two trails? Is there on Camelback? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, whatever the, the main one is. Because I think... Or, like, the one side of the hill has the fucking... They put in a rail. Cause... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I didn't know there was two. Did. Yeah, I didn't know there was two. Because I... From... I don't know. I've lived here my whole life, so I should know. But from what I was told, it, there's a longer trail, which is not as oh, yeah, yeah, intense yeah. of a climb. And then there's the shorter one with some of the railings that is like, hey, you might want to yeah. use your hands a couple times to help you My out. buddy made it up halfway. He called it quits. I saw people. But we also started doing, trying to do the hike thing about three, four months in from, you know, newly being in Tempe. Mm-hmm. Pretty much being drunk for three months straight. <laughs> he just couldn't. He couldn't make it up. He was like, "Fuck this, <laughs> dude." There were people yesterday that you're looking at going up this mountain, going like, "How are you gonna eat up here?" Like we passed some people on the way up that we saw that that they were still working their way up when we were on our way down, and we went up there, sat down for a while, looked out at the valley, just were kind of hanging out, and then we came back down and saw them still working. I'm like, "Oh dear God." And then once we got to the very end, there's some lady with her kids. She's wearing slides getting ready to start this thing. I'm like, okay. You can get away with that on the way up, but you got to be careful on the way down. That's when you start slipping and sliding. Well, and there's some of the areas where there's a little more dirt in it too. So it's like, hey, what happens when you lose traction, especially in slides? Do you ever run across those people where it's like they're going slow, but like kind of not too slow? And then you finally just say, pick a spot and you fucking you speed up because they're going too slow. Oh, yeah. But we then, did that all day. Yeah, yesterday. but then all of a sudden, like, they're on your ass. 
yeah. It's like driving a car. Like, dude, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Like, take your time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Camelback Mountain. No. For the most part, we were killing people on the way up yesterday. Literally? Yeah. Just pushing them off? Blasting them. <laughs> no, we we're... Uh, yeah, no, we had a pretty good pace going up, but on the way down, my fiance was like, I'm not feeling good. I was like, ooh. <laughs> she pregnant? No. Okay. If she is, then there's we a have... conversation we gotta have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, what's the, the other guys? Whose baby is that? The other guy? Yeah, with Mark Wahlberg and uh, um, oh, yeah, Will Ferrell. I don't remember I'm that I'm pregnant. Whose baby is that? Gators bitches better be wearing jimmies. I think I barely saw that movie. Once. Oh my gosh! Because Will Ferrell like was a uh, fucking hilarious pimp back in the day, and so he was oh, running yeah. back to his pimp ways. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what's on the agenda for today, my friend? Um, talked about doing some business planning. Kill two birds with one stone, so that. We've got I don't think PETA likes it when people say that now. I think there's a different saying. Oh, right. I I'll forgot. Find, I'll find it out for you. Don't I forgot. Um, fuck PETA. Uh, so we're going to kill two birds with one stone. We're malicious intent. Um, talk about some business planning. We've got a house that we want to go over. Uh, there's a guy on the team, Caden, who found this house. He was looking to do an open house for this weekend. And there's a possibility it might be listed a little low which is interesting um yeah and kind of just hey, before we get away from the nonsense um the uh proper the you know say this instead of this mm-hmm. kill two birds with one stone not okay feed two birds with one scone or you can't say uh be the guinea pig you have to say be the test tube or yeah, you say you know you know you can't you can't beat a dead horse. <laughs> you can't say that. You gotta be like, hey, stop. You gotta. I don't know how you would use this phrase, but anyways. But you have to feed a fed horse. Stop feeding a fed horse. <laughs> Damn it, Thad. There's a or a, bring home the bacon. No, 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 no. Bring home the bagels. <laughs> There's a sign company. That we did a job for off of the I-17. Um, it's where the I-17 and the I-10 hit over there. Anyways, um, when we were tearing out part of their offices, they had this paper that was taped to one of the office doors. The entire thing was full of these replacements. And it said, I think it had, hey, we got a complaint or complaints in regards to people swearing a lot around the office. So um, we want to be mindful of the language we're using. So here are some replacements that you can use. So it's like, here'd be a common phrase with a swear word in it. And they changed it. So the only one that I remember because it was hilarious was instead of saying, she's a fucking bitch, (laughs) say she's an aggressive (laughs) go-getter. It's like, fuck off. Like if she's a fucking bitch, she's a fucking bitch. You can, if you want me to say she's freaking annoying, I'll say that. But don't, she's a go-getter, an aggressive go-getter. 
no one cares. Like, fuck her. She is a mean female dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking people. That's crazy. All right, before I interrupted, we were talking about we're going to go over the house. Uh, yeah, which we'll probably finish up with that. But, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sledgehammers in the Office podcast, where we celebrate the heavy hitters on the job site and in the office today. As usual, I'm joined by Mason Oxendale. What are we drinking? Uh, just some water out of a Dutch Bros container. Didn't you have a drink? I left it in the car. <laughs> and you just decided not to get it? Yeah, we were already running late. I... I said I'd be home by 7.30. It's already 7.15, so <laughs> you know how that goes. Yeah. As always, shamrock, chocolate milk, whole milk. All right. Um, let's go over some of our numbers real quick before we jump into it. Active homes. This is going to be for Maricopa County. Think greater Phoenix area. If you live in the greater Phoenix area, this gives you an idea of what we're seeing. Uh, if you live outside of the greater Phoenix area, we hope this gives you kind of a snapshot just hopefully of what the general market's doing, but um, don't take it as gospel. Active homes right now, 10,475. That is down 1,205 from last month. <sighs> Closed, we've got 5,543 in the last month, and that is up 896. Uh we didn't get an interest rate pulled for today, but... Yeah, 6.56. There we go. Uh, 2 by 4 is 315, down about 10%. Plywood, 1280, I think up 30 cents. Half-inch copper pipe, staying the same, 2496. So, building prices, staying the same, nice and stable. That's what we like to see. Um, Mason, what do we think in regards to the inventory that we're seeing for the Phoenix area? Uh, we're just slowly moving into, I don't know, it's weird. Because the numbers say it's a seller's market, mm -hmm. you know, because we're below, below the normal inventory. But yet, from my experience and other people on the team, a lot of buyers are still getting concession. You know, typically in a seller's market, you know, you're going to get more for, you're going to get maybe possibly more than what you asked for, or at least asking price. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to have to pay any concessions. You're probably not going to have to do any repairs. But a lot of these buyers are still getting concessions for it. So it's, you know, it's a weird time, but just like so is the entire world right now. Which, and I think the concessions thing is something that even I forget about. Because getting married, looking at all right, buying a house, you go punching the numbers sometimes on Zillow to say, hey, what would my payment be roughly? And you see, okay, if it's a 6.5% interest rate, here's how much we're putting down. You see the payment, and you're like, oh, jeez. But like you said. Would you, what do you use? What did you use? The Zillow mortgage estimator yeah. thing. The only thing I don't like, some of those calculators you got to be careful about because they put in a general or average um, taxes, um, yeah. you know, insurance and stuff like that. And freaking taxes are so much less here in Arizona than other places. Yeah, which, as always, which you never with these those calculators you never know. So it's, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Anyways, it's it's a nice rule of thumb anyway. Yeah. Um. But one of the things I I realized the other day I was like I'm running some of these numbers going, ah oh, man, like this really sucks. And then like wait a minute, there's <laughs> seller concessions are still a thing, mm -hmm. and we can buy down an interest rate, so it's not gonna like it doesn't have to be 
that payment that I'm seeing on the screen if we can find the right seller who's agreeable to some seller concessions. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we got, I got a client under contract. We ended up only going, they accepted an offer 15 grand under asking price, but we got it five grand under asking price and we got $13,000 in concessions to pay for closing costs and a buy down. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's yeah. sometimes it's just the way you word the contract. You know, if you have a good realtor yeah. or a listing agent, they'll be able to explain and give you like, hey, here's the difference. Here's your walkaway number with this one. Here's your walkaway with this one. Yeah. But sometimes still uh, sellers get so fixate, fixated on the purchase price. Yeah. So even though, oh, we got we at least got four fifty, but you're also giving thirteen thousand. So your offer it's technically, you know, like yeah. Yeah. So um, but yeah, I mean like you still shit like that's still going on out there. It's just a it's a weird time. Which in some ways I think is good because the seller is understanding of the buyer's position, especially with the higher interest rate. So it's almost like, hey, exactly. We're looking to sell the house. But we don't want to just be stuck here and saying, no, 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 no. And the buyers are like, well, I can't pay the monthly payment at this interest rate. So it's like, how do we, how do we meet? Exactly. In the we still have the higher interest rates. But then at the same time, the value of homes out here in Phoenix area are, st are slowly going up. Yeah. You know, so it's just this weird dynamic that usually don't correlate together. Yep. So you still have buyers. You still have sellers. Because some people, I mean. Some people are in positions where, you know, they can't wait to sell. Oh, we're going to wait for the market to get better. Mm -hmm. Well, not everybody's like that, you know? Yeah. So you got people who are holding off on selling because they're scared about the market. You got buyers holding off because they're scared of the, either scared of the interest rate or they just can't afford what they want right now because of the interest rates. And then you got people, you got buyers who are playing the game. They're getting in. Why do you look behind me like that? You scared me. Um, you got buyers coming in the game essentially like buying now to get the cheaper price for the house and then to refinance out of that eventually because they can afford to paint the extra money and then you got sellers who are just like i need to sell now i just bought a house you know i got this here mm -hmm. let's just get rid of it we got equity in it yeah i don't know it's just a weird you know you can't it's in the gray area right now you can't pinpoint exactly where it is right it's one of those things too where it's almost like everyone's Everyone asks, like, when's the best time to time the mark? Uh, when's the best time for us to buy or sell? And it's like, uh, the best time is going to be whenever we pass it and we get to look back and say, that was it. Yeah. That would be the best time. <laughs> when hindsight is clearest. All right. I need to grab a charger. I forgot to plug the computer in. Oh, no. My chair. Uh... No, they can still hear you. You're rambling about something. But yeah. So basically, if you're thinking about it in the market, like talk to somebody. See if you no, know, no, no. see if it's no, gonna no, work no, no. out. Do when I say somebody, I mean like talk to me or one of my lenders. That's what I mean. Like, you know. Speak yeah. to somebody in the industry that you trust that's not going to feed you a lender that you don't know that's going to feed you some bullshit about like oh i actually have a story about that so when i was sick i had an old coworker hit me up in regards to uh him and his wife want to buy a house which i need to actually uh get something done in that area but anyways um we need to, we need to work something out anyways too yes we do um yeah which that might be in our next part anyways uh <laughs> 
um, he was reaching out. He's like, hey, me and my wife were trying to buy a house. We talked to a lender, and they said we couldn't because we had bought a car seven months ago. And it just didn't make sense. So I start walking through it with him. And like the way that I set it up is, as a realtor, you're not supposed to operate outside of your expertise. And a lender is going to take care of the financials, qualification, things like that. But as you know, when you're in the industry for a while, you start to know the guidelines that the lenders ask for. So I always kind of treat it like, hey, I'm going to take my realtor hat off and I'm going to put my friend hat on. So let's Yeah, that's the difference. You got you can have do multiple hats in that scenario. Right. You can't wear a hen frat or a a friend hat on somebody that you met online that wanted to buy a house because you're not friends. I'm friends with everybody. Yeah. But like yeah. just being very clear as far as I always say like, "Hey, I'm going to give you a picture of what I see in my mind, but we need to always verify this with a the lender. They're going to be able to tell you I don't pre-qualify you, I don't take your credit or anything like that." But um, we started walking through it and then we eventually got to the part where like, I'm able to explain to them why the lender probably actually denied them, uh, for a loan or what, be able to qualify. I forget. It was one I hadn't heard of, but, um, like they were frustrated with the other lender because they're like, they didn't walk us through what was happening. Like, I was able to lay out for them, hey, here's why this income might not be able to apply towards your pre-qualification um, based on previous experience that I've had with clients. And they're like, they didn't talk to us about that. They didn't go over that with us. They didn't tell us about, hey, here's what we need to do. Here's what we could do to even get a higher qualification. It's just like, guys, come on. Like, Yeah, because, I mean, they, they all, you know, they all have operated off the same thing where they can put stuff into the equation and then yep. it comes out saying you qualify for this much or not this much but it's how you can finagle it to make it work in the end as a lender or as a realtor a lot of times our a lot of times our hands are tied in regards to the rules that we can play by we're not going to pull some crazy new process out of thin air but the big thing is being able to educate the people that you're working with and having a conversation to understand all the pieces that are available. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a people business. Like they, they talk about it. Everyone talks about it a lot. It's a people business, mm -hmm. but it's like at the end of the day, it's not just, Hey, are we buddies? It's like, no, no, no. Like, do you know how to take care of those people? Exactly. That's what, yeah. Doing, especially your first time buying a house, a lender that, you know, somebody recommending it to you a lender that you know that they know and trust um but then again i got a buddy who i helped him buy and sell a house but he was he's just one of those guys he's super smart where he'll go on the computer and figure out you know in an hour how the lending process works mm -hmm. and then he calls all the companies and gets the best rate and is not worried about that personal connection stuff because he knows that like yeah. what he needs to do and that's yeah and which, Once you have a grasp on it, you know, especially with a lender that you trust, they should be more than happy for you to go shop the rate. Yeah. Which I'd say 99% of the time, you don't find people like that, right? So the big thing on our side is the majority of people we run we would run into are people who aren't educated on the process or don't know anything. Like for me, it's on the construction side where there's people who are sometimes scared to touch their house in some very small ways because they're like, oh, I don't want to break it. And it's like, 
you're not going to break your house. You're, you're completely fine. Like if, if you did want to, you could go on YouTube, you could figure it out. But a big part of what we sell is the confidence that, hey, we're, we're an expert in our field and I can get you from A to B safely. We sell security. Yeah. But when you put in that uh, trap door for me, after you give me the quote and stuff, <laughs> I'm going to be like, okay, this costs this much. Okay, I'll knock out the drywall. Um, you know, how else can I get this down? Because <laughs> I know enough. Yeah. But I don't have enough time to do it. That's the thing. Yeah. And well, that's what all you sell. Yeah. Get so, it done properly and probably better than 99% of the people out there. That'll just slap a job together. Yeah. Which, on my side, I always look at it when someone says, hey, like, what part can I do? I'm like... I've got a certain way that I do things. Like, installing an interior door is pretty straightforward and simple. But if... Yeah, there's small nuances that I have to each step along the way that make it easy for me. So if I show up to a job and you haven't prepped the way that I want it to, and you're telling me all you have to do is put the door in the hole, it's like, I doubt it. But whatever. Yeah. Will show up. Speaking of that, when you do that, the uh, the door on the side of the garage that goes to the backyard keeps sticking. I think because it's settled. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Yeah. I tried screwing in the screws tighter, but that didn't work. I don't think there's a long screw in one of them either. Okay. Which and that's going to be a lot of what you're doing because. So if. Let's see if I can do this verbally. So I you also got stand... something installed above the door, which I don't think helped very much. <laughs> uh, when you're looking at a door, you want to look at it from... Let's see. So the door closes to the jam, right? So it, it's going to stop against a piece of trim. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to be standing on the opposite side of that so that you can see what's called the reveal. That's going to be the distance between the door slab and the jam all the way around the door. Yeah, it's the top side. That's touching? So the the top or on the side? Uh, no, no, no. The, the top side of the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that most likely would be you could take a long, like, three-inch screw, pull one screw out of the hinge. I thought that's how they put they put all doors, or do they no. not do that? Nope. So most Do you doors, do that? A lot of doors, are, uh, we will end up doing that. See, I was under the assumption. Anyways, we can go down the rabbit hole. I just wanted to remind you that, no. and myself, that I need to look into that door. <laughs> yeah, which sometimes um, we don't do. Like, if you set a door correctly, we won't do that just because of how we install the doors. It's completely secure. And if the doors are from the manufacturer uh, correctly and we install it correctly, then there's no need to. Yeah. Because we'll, we'll screw it into the framing. Uh, regardless, we use trim head screws that get hid behind, weather stripping and stuff All like that. All that stuff. Yeah. Where do we, what do we were talking about? I lost track of what we were originally talking about before we went down the lending hole and stuff. Um, people in their jobs doing basically... Oh, it was the education. Was it? How did we get there? Because it was about teaching people... Uh, People could figure it out, but part of it is like the education because sometimes they're scared with the process that they oh, go yeah. into. What were we talking about before that? I don't know either. I, I, I had a story about my friend who was trying to get approved for the loan and they got denied. Yeah, but that was like 
That was a little bit before that we went off kind of sub- the subject. Because we're talking about people buying houses right now. It doesn't oh, matter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we didn't get past the numbers. You said, yeah. We started I was asking talking, you about the numbers. Yeah, we started talking about the numbers and then yeah. I went on the, uh, the, the weirdness of the market. Okay, cool. Yeah. Can you cut that out? I can, yeah. Am I going to? No. Absolutely not. Cool. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not putting that much work into it. Um, one of the things we put on here is kind of some business planning uh, that we thought we might do a little bit in real time. Uh, but also... time to do it? Yeah. Whatever. What are we at? Like 45 minutes? Yeah. Well... Let's just talk about yeah, we can. yeah. Let's just talk about what's been going on in our businesses. We talked about this a little bit before the podcast, and then we can wrap up um, with the house that we got. So, in regards to how's business, I was going to ask you the same question: How's business? Where's it going? What direction do you want it to go? What are some, you know, some key things that you were some milestones you want to hit this year? Mm-hmm. So a lot of what we did last year. And with... also, I don't know if people know the full background of like where you are in your construction. Like with the business, who you work for, who mm-hmm. works for you kind of thing. Okay. Uh, if you're allowed to say that. Yeah. Or just in general. So I work for a general contractor that I've had on the podcast before. Um, so if someone wanted to go find out what the company is, you can find that there. Um, that's basically where I work full time right now. So Sledgehammers in the office is an LLC that I own where we are doing, uh, construction projects. And, um, currently we are not licensed. So that puts legally, there's a cap on the stuff that we're supposed to do. Um, you can leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at that. Um, last year, time to take your pills. I thought I silenced it. it. It's time for vitamins. Um, last year we were running or I was running real estate, uh, and then had the opportunity to do some construction jobs and, uh, real estate was slow for the minute. So it's like, sure, let's do that. was busy for about uh, three months. One of the projects did take a good amount of time and I was trading my time and experience for tools. So, uh, didn't make any money off of that. And then, uh, but had got the experience, got the tools in the end, it was a good trade. Um, but rolled through several jobs that were some smaller projects, but they kept coming in for a while. So, um, and then things slowed down for, towards the end of the year, but coming into, so in December, that's when I started with the general contractor starting in January, started getting people reaching out and we have not slowed down. We've been doing side jobs. It seems almost every single week, uh, since the beginning of the year. And right now we're about booked out into April or the end of April. Um, a lot of these projects depend on the size, so, or what people are asking for. And right now it's, we're just running a gun. And so the people that are working with me are, I got a couple questions though. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so how, how long have you had the Sido business for? 
not only had it, but also like running jobs through it. Um, running jobs through a couple years. Running jobs through it. That probably started twenty twenty one. Yeah, twenty twenty one. I had the LLC before in twenty twenty. Yeah, but that's kind of so you're you're run you're getting everything running it organically. Mm-hmm. You're not hiring multiple general contractors, combining companies. You're kind of building from the the ground up, like word of mouth. So yeah. all the business you're getting isn't from advertisement. Yeah. Or you know coupons. Yeah, it's through your work. Yeah, which we've been very intentional with saying, hey, we're not licensed right now, so we need to make sure that we're limiting what we do in terms of projects because there's legal limits on that. Yeah, but li- you're going to get licensed, yeah, right? Yeah, that is a part of what we've been working towards um, to be able to get that done. So that's one of the uh, big things for this year that we're trying to get done to have a general contractor's license for sledgehammers in the office that at that point we'd be running and gunning be being able to take on any project of any size that we want on the residential side, commercial side, it'd be up to $2 million that the license would cover. I think um, you're selling yourself a little short too, because it's not like you're not looking into getting your license. You pretty much know the book front and back and you just need to go get it, take the test and do it essentially. Yeah. It's uh, like, I, <laughs> I started the application process and got yeah, halfway I was like, through. I passed the ethics and all that stuff part. And now it's just like the trade specific where it's like, all right, if you have a, how big of a beam do you need to span this yeah. long of a distance when you've got this snow load on it? And cause like, I was listening right. to you. I was like, wait, like, cause I already know this, but I was thinking, I was like, wait, wait, wait. He kind of sounds like just somebody who's fixed some things at a house and started a company. It's like, no, 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 that's not what he yeah, which I, he yeah he just he knows knows everything. You just gotta get the paperwork together, open up the accounts, and do all the professional stuff. Yeah. So and that's kind of what we're doing as far as last year. It was kind of people. It was friends and family for the most part, or just a couple people who reached out for a couple repeat things that they wanted us to do. And yes, I'm intentionally being a little vague on the size of the projects because they were legal. Yes, they were. Okay. Um, so, but yes, the I work for a general contractor doing large projects. We're on a seven-figure project right now to give you an idea of the kind of scope that I've been a part of um, and things that I've seen and kind of the areas that we're stepping into. So the goal is with uh, Saito that we're going to be able to build this up into a general contracting business that is going to be able to do things very similar. And so the licensing is going to be able to provide the avenue for us to be able to do all of that legally. But as far as the expertise, that's where it's kind of like, Hey, like we're, we're working on getting the certification. We've just been so busy with people reaching out to us that it's like, I don't have time to study because I'm on a job site swinging a hammer when I'm not at work swinging a hammer. Gotcha. So. All right. So I kind of asked you, I asked you a little bit of a loaded question. You could have went. So basically you're working with another general contractor, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting contacts, mm-hmm. learning even more about the trade while you started up a business almost a little bit over or a little less than two years ago mm-hmm. and building it organically and mm-hmm. almost getting, you know, real busy right mm-hmm. now. So with the busyness of this, you know, the smaller job that you're legally allowed to take on, mm-hmm. and then the general contractor, like, 
what's what's next for Saito? Of course, I mean, obviously, the like you said, is getting the license. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're working the side jobs, the legal ones that you can once you get the license. Like, what's what's next? So, like, what are your plans, your milestones that you want to hit? Yep. Uh, big picture plans are going to be get the license and then start building the company. Uh, so, that's going to be, like, as we're doing jobs, we're trying to put the goal will be to put a lot of that money just back into the company. Since I have a full-time job, I don't need to be taking money from what we're kind of considering from Saito to be able to pay for my bills. So we want to be able to put a lot of that money back into the business to be able to buy more equipment, more tools, so that as we get the license and can take on larger projects, all of that's there. Then it would be as we build up the customer base and hopefully that word of mouth continues once we get the license, then we'd start actually kind of pounding the pavement with a little bit more advertising. Some of that is what we're going to be doing, what we're doing kind of through the podcast. We want to be building videos on top of that to be able to say, Hey, here's, here's what we offer. You can get a visual look into what we do, what we look like, how we present ourselves to you. And then, um, really running at it that way to where we want to be able to get to a, a point where I'm busy enough to say, Hey, I need to now, instead of working five days a week, be able to approach the general contractor and say, hey, can I still be work employed with you for right now, but let's do four days a week. And then once that kind of hits the point where like, hey, I still have people banging down my door because they want work done, I'm going to, Saito is going to take over as being the full-time thing. Once that takes over, then it's going to be a point of trying to bring on uh, Joe in a full-time capacity if we can as well. A non-1099? Yeah, because right now a lot of it is just as like it. there's no regular employment, mm-hmm. so it is a 1099 basis. And yeah. the idea would be is, okay, once we're busy enough to where we need to be running and gunning full steam ahead, then we can have two people uh, and then hopefully a large company building. So large grand scheme of things, we want to build this up to where we're crossing state lines. I want to have a general contractor's license, not just in Arizona, but multiple states. I want to be, I want sledgehammers in the office to be the name um, in construction that is the new wave of, I, I want to be the new generation in construction. You've got a lot of people who are doing it in the luxury industry where they're very presentable, they're very, um, clean cut, everything looks good. But I want to be able to, in some ways, take that where it's like, hey, we've got these heavy hitters in work, but at the same time, we need to be able to have a presentable side to the customer as well. So we want to be able to have that for uh, large remodels. Um, We want to be able to have crews in Arizona and then other states. So that's like years down the road, that's the big vision. But very practically right now, bringing that back to it's going to be getting the license, making sure everything is set up process-wise so that we become very repeatable in what we're doing, as well as it's not just me, but I can plug someone in very easily to say, hey, if I need someone more on the sales side, this is what it looks like. Joe's been um, doing, like, he's been taking care of a lot of, like, he'll do photos and stuff for the job because sometimes I just get lost in the swinging a hammer side of it. So he's Mm -hmm. got a good eye for stepping back and be able to do that. So part of it is going to be also probably saying, Hey, you seem to be good in this area. How do we kind of set you up to handle in some ways the media side, which is going to translate to an advertising side as well. Very passionate about that. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Which that's, um, (laughs) 
Uh, you want to step out? No, we keep going. All right. Um, I figured we could talk a little bit more about have you answered more questions about the Saito side. Okay. And then next episode, we can switch switch positions. Let's do it. Um, so I guess uh, what was what am I? How do I want to formulate this question? Like, so you talk about you know expanding and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but I know for me, especially with anything that has like you need some type of skill at. Mm-hmm. Um, bigger name companies scare me off because like what type of quality are you going to get like how was this mm-hmm. guy hired and stuff right so like cuz you want to do the you know you want to look the part both professionally but also look the part like you know how to swing a hammer mm-hmm. not somebody that just looks good in a tuxedo yeah so like how are you going to make sure that the quality you know the name of the business you know cuz you can't you see a lot of advertisements and be like oh family owned um blah 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 this you know we do it this way because we are sido this is how it's mm-hmm. done but like realistically like it's not everybody else's company so yeah a lot of you would like people to buy in but how do you get people to like how are you going to get people to um not just do the bare minimum and do like you know be the perfectionist like you are personally when you do jobs which and the way that I look at that is to say when we hire people I'm not hiring people necessarily just to swing a hammer I'm hiring people to swing a hammer in a certain way mm-hmm. right so um in regards to let's start with looking the part because that's the easy one uh construction the way I've seen it is far behind in a lot of the professionalism as well as some of the um maybe tools that are available to it like we're having in with with the general contractor i'm working for right now one of the things is like we're revamping our logo and business cards and stuff like that so they're they're talking about like oh i saw this dot card thing on instagram and it's like guys like let me tell you about like the qr codes that are live qr codes that we could feed actual things like and there's a whole stream that we could go down on that but they're like kind of like Oh, wow. But like when you're on the real estate side, since real estate's so competitive, everyone is trying to be right there. Mm-hmm. So that's some of the stuff that gets taken over. So the easy thing for construction is to say, hey, how do you look at the part? There's a lot of guys who are going to show up with random t-shirts, random, like they're, they're going to have jeans with holes in them. So <clears throat> in some ways, the dress code's easy. I pro- like So far, I've provided all the guys polos, shirts, hats, things of that nature to say, hey, we have a uniform when we show up, as well as saying, I don't want people showing up with torn jeans. Yeah. So the visual very easily is set that way to say, we can look perfect. We can look the part before we can be the part. I can pull someone off the street, dress them up very quickly and be like, there we go. Here's a hammer. Now you look like you're a contractor. <laughs> <clears throat> so the barrier for entry on looking professional is lower. Yes, there's a part of like, hey, with people coming in, I'm not just going to allow some person who's mouthing off in front of a customer where it's like, hey, 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 like, I'm not just going to teach you how to swing a hammer, but I'm going to teach you how to interact with our customers because that's what we're also selling. Mm -hmm. Part of it is teaching people that we bring in. Your job is not necessarily your job. Your job is going to be how do we 
take care of the customer in the best way possible. They're going to have a job that they want us to do, so we need to do it. We need to do it with excellence, but also when a part of that excellence is going to be how do we treat the customer along the way. So um, one of the things that I feel like I was blessed with when I came into the construction industry was I knew nothing. I was a blank slate, and the general contractor I started working for was very particular with details. There were certain things that he was big on instilling uh, in regards to, hey, we want to maintain a clean job site throughout so like you can, you're, we're going to make a mess, but we need to make sure it's clean. Like at the end of the day, you want to make sure your space is clean, that if you're working with people, be conscious of if you're making dust, is that traveling through vents to the other parts of the house? So it's in some ways, certain habits that I have automatically were just instilled to me. So part of the hiring process would then be like, Hey, can we find blank slates or can we find like Bobby and Joe, Joe came from the automotive area, mm -hmm. but he's now um, where he's working in construction, he's very detail oriented. He's also just a very, um, he, he's a man of integrity. So yeah. you take a man of integrity and say, let me show you how to do a skill, be patient with their speed and then go from there. Cause you'll see a lot of companies that they hire people and they fire them quickly because they're not at the same level that we're expecting. We need to be able to plug someone in at an experienced level because that's what this company needs. And sometimes that is absolutely what the company needs. But more importantly, most times you need a good person and you need to teach them what to do. Yep. There's very specific industries like the window and door industry. No one knows what the fuck to do in that industry. You need to grab good people, teach them your system on what to do, how to do it. Because if you're looking for people who do that, it's like you've got what, 10 people mm -hmm. and how many companies that are going to be vying for them. It's like, no, 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 bring someone in, teach them what to do, be patient, but say, Hey, I expect you to first, I need you to learn the process. I need you to do it well. And then once you can do it well, I need you to get faster at it. Yeah. And you need to do it in that order. If you fuck up that order, you're screwed. So for me in looking for Saito, it's to say the same thing that I'm going to be looking for good people in regards to, hey, here's how we do things. We act with integrity, honesty. Like we've got, I put together like this core values book thing. Like mm -hmm. we have an employee handbook that we have essentially. So you'll like this phrase. So essentially, um, Saito's playing chess while everybody's playing checkers. With essentially. the essen essentially that a lot of people, you know, will be like, hey, you know how to do concrete. Oh, hey, you know how to do floor. Come on over. Mm -hmm. And they do it how they were done. You know, but they're just doing it to get the job done. Like mm -hmm. checkers, you make moves to hop over other people. Mm -hmm. Where chess, you have to think, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine steps ahead. Mm -hmm. Like you do it this way in this order because if you do it out of order, like you talked about, uh, this could go into the vents and spit out this way and we have a whole nother problem. Like you have it in this order to prevent right. other things from happening. Yep. Playing chess. You love chess. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> Yeah, which... Sido. Chess, not checkers. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's some marketing material right there. <laughs> which, and like I said, I think that there's a part where... You like where, checkers? Well, fuck you. We play chess. There's a part where the construction industry is behind. And, and this is where... Now, do you... Sorry, this, I know I'm jumping in. I'm a horrible host. <laughs> but because I'm really curious about it. Do you think... Because you start, you know, you started with a clean state from mm -hmm. the construction, and then you you uh, started to dabble in real estate a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, 
do you think that like how much has like being on the real estate st- real estate side opened up your eyes to the construction world and like how far behind they are or if it's played any role at all um i think it opened my eyes quite a bit so like i talked about the contact card so there is there are contact management systems and job management systems um that you can find out there there are several that are available and i think those are becoming more and more popular which is great but there's some guys who still run their business off of like a notepad and pen there's guys where they deliver checks to their guys on fridays stuff like that and so you're just looking at it going like like this doesn't make sense if i want to be able to communicate with you and you're not on site or the way that this needs to happen, like for real estate, you're, there's contact management systems, there's entire platforms that are set up between the lender and the, the client uh, for them to be able to work through, like the portals, the title companies are doing them. Sometimes I find them annoying because it seems to detach the people from it. But at the same time, uh, the, the, what people have realized with real estate is that if you can systemize everything there's a lot more money to be made because you can take, uh, you can take less time per person, mm-hmm. same quality, and you can go then work with more people. So, on the construction side, I, the 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 really good part of the construction side is that there's people who are extremely experienced in what they're doing. We've got some concrete guys, and I'm hoping that in the next couple of weeks we're going to be able to bring this gentleman in. Um, but he's got a crew where some of these guys have been working together for like 15 years. So they're, ama- they're amazing at what they do. And I haven't seen their back end. Their back end might be amazing. So like, I, I want to be able to talk to this guy to be able to say, like, hey, how do you run your business? What do you do? Mm-hmm. Because obviously you've done something right. Um, the part, but one of the things that I can see clearly is that they know how to do concrete. And they know how to do concrete well. They know the codes. They know everything about it. Like, do I need to give them a blueprint? No, they, they can just do it yeah. if necessary. I think the back end side of it is the part that people struggle with because yeah. so much of construction, especially at this smaller level, is it's a bunch of small businesses. Yeah. So it's then saying, hey, how do we run a business, not just do the trade at the same time? So it's those two things that are happening together. So mm-hmm. with Saito, it's to be able to say, hey, like, I, I, need to do, I need to be able to do two things. I need to be able to run a business well, and I need to be able to have excellent... Uh, work inside of the trades and an excellent skill inside of that as well okay because like we've talked about and kind of bitched about before on the podcast you can grab some kid out of college where it's like i've got a degree in construction management yeah you don't know your fucking asshole from a hole that's drilled for rebar so don't come tell me that you know shit about fuck (laughs) <laughs> but can, then you go drag one of those guys where it's like, hey, what size rebar needs to go in that footer? And it's like, I need you to go manage the job and maybe some of the financials behind it or talk about some of the sales process. And they're like, let's not do that. Yeah. So it's trying to be able to set up both of those to say, hey, um, let's be the new wave of construction. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of people looking for the way out where if it's like, hey, let me teach you how to do click funnels or affiliate marketing or all these things. And it's like, at the end of the day, there's still going to need to be a group of people who are heavy hitters on the on a house, swinging hammers, doing plumbing, taking care of the electrical, HVAC, whatever. Let's make sure that those people are taken care of inside the trade. 
they're respected, and they are respectable people to our customers. So it's a bunch of those things going together. And a lot of that is going to come down to the two things like we said. We want to be excellent inside the trade and excellent inside the business. So we're going to need to work on leadership programs. We're going to need to work on things of that nature where it's like, it's not just, you know how to do concrete. I'm going to get four of you guys go lay concrete. It's a lot bigger than that. That's nice. It's a real nice vision. It's the goal. Yeah. I mean, if you get too good at it, people are probably going to pay you to uh, teach them how to run a construction business. We'll finish with this. This is a messed up idea I have in my mind every once in a while. Yeah. Or you could just be like one of those guys where, you know, you do a couple jobs and then you create a course on how to run a business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, which we'll talk about that another time. Um, I've had this messed up idea before of basically like trying to create a monopoly. Like if I could start picking up uh, steam inside the trades where and start gaining a lot of capital. People talk about how a lot of the people in the trades, like the average age is like 55 or something like that. I would love to start retiring a lot of people by saying, hey, I'm going to buy out your business because if some of these people don't have a large business, it's you can come in and say, hey, your business is worth X because we can look at your numbers. I'll pay you this amount of dollars, but here's here's the deal. I need you to teach my guys for four years. Yeah. And, then, and then after that, you have an NDA that you're not allowed to teach anyone else. You're not allowed to compete against me going forward, any of that stuff. How's that a messed up idea? Because I'm trying to create a monopoly. I'm trying to take away the competition. I don't want anyone else to know what we know. So that in the end, it's like Saito's Oh, deal. like the NDA kind of thing? Yeah, basically, I, I want to create like Saito's the only people who know how to do this shit. Yeah, but I don't see any problem with that at all. Especially yeah. if you're, I mean, you're not taking advantage of somebody because if you were to do that you would probably pay them a little bit more than what the business is worth. Yeah. To be, you know what I'm saying? And you, yeah. you're taking care of the old guy who paved the way. That's how yeah. I would look at it. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. I'm very, um, there's a lot of stuff that I look at inside of Saito too that I, I feel like I have a brain that looks at things the way that they're structured and, and says like, Hey, how can these things be done better? Um, and I want to be able to create a good workplace where the employees are taken care of to create opportunity for people in the trades and also be able to give back. There's a lot of stuff where um, I look at money as a tool that can mm -hmm. be used to bless people. So I hope that what we can create with Sido is something that one can create income for a lot of families, but also be able to be used to um, bless people in our community. So I feel like that's something that God has... Uh, put in front of me. I hope that he blesses my steps along the way and all of that and with where we're going. But um, yeah, I feel like there's a path and we're going to try and take the correct steps that he lays out for us. Hell yeah. I mean, you know, I consider myself a good man. Um, I donate most of my money to um, every week to charity. But uh, when she's not working, I give it to Rose. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now that's how you end the podcast. But all right, gentlemen, let's wrap it up for the evening. Let us know where uh people can find you and anything else you want to plug. You reading that right off the sheet? Yep. 
All right, uh, guys, you can see what we're doing uh, for construction at Saito underscore building. Like I said, Joe's been taking more photos. We're trying to do more videos uh, and get caught up with that. We are getting a little bogged down with hammer swinging right now, but um, we will try to be doing that. Uh, also, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, you're already there, but we're going to try and populate more videos. Uh, follow us at Saito underscore building on Instagram. Uh, if you guys have a project or have any questions, feel free to DM me there or uh, shoot me a text at 602-471-8182. Nice. And, you know, I'm Mason Oxendale, lead, lead real estate agent on the team. And, uh, but uh, you can find me on Instagram at Mason Oxendale. You know, I plan on being a little more active on social media. Also going to start revamping, redo the uh, uh, YouTube page, The Real Spit on Real Estate. You know, my uh, original partner decided to get out of real estate because he got it yet and do some uh psychology work so uh, he's but yeah he's helping people he's not the one who needs yes the correct work. yes correct correct yeah so you know i'll let you know once i get some more videos and stuff up but uh anything real estate i gotcha um so until next time i hope your hammer stays accurate your wi-fi fast and your work blessed see you everybody but but